0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. On April twentieth, two 2010, the Deepwater Horizon exploded in the Gulf of Mexico, killing 11 workers and spewing 200 million barrels of oil into the Gulf of Mexico that's 200 million barrels of oil dirty energy the direct uh, the documentary on what happened in the aftermath of the bp oil spill uh, gets inside the inside story from louisiana residents themselves People whose jobs and health were directly impacted by one of history's worst environmental disasters. We're joined today by the director of Dirty Energy, Brian Hopkins, um, who spent. Uh, well, Brian, how much time did you spend in the Gulf of Mexico putting together Dirty Energy?
1: Um. Well, thank you for having me.
0: Yes, on the show. thank you.
1: Um, I would have to say that the uh, the entire process of. Uh, Making the film was over a span of roughly three years. My goodness. But uh, the time I spent in the golf was, the first trip was about a month and a half. The second trip uh, was about a month. And then uh, I just actually came back. Uh, We have our DVD release that's going to be out this Tuesday. And Mm -hmm. to make the film relevant, I went back and I actually spent three days shooting the special features so that by the time the DVD release comes out, actually the the content on the disc is only two months old. but well, so, re- um, definitely wanted to kind of tie everything, because this is a... You know a long term story that's uh, yeah. un- uh despite what bP would would hope for
0: the reason I asked you why you spent how much time you' spent is because this is a story that the sort of the short attention span that we Americans generally have about a story tends to you know be very very short really uh in terms of but this is a story that ne- that needs to be told over the over the span not only of the immediate uh, disaster that happened when uh, deepwater horizon exploded in in flames and and went down in the gulf of mexico but uh it uh it requires really to know what happened to the people of of the gulf whose livelihoods and who's really everything depends on well, what is going on in the Gulf of Mexico, the, the health of that, that uh, ecosystem. But um, tell them, well, at what point uh, did you decide to, that you needed to make a documentary um, about what happened with it?
1: Well, uh, the when, when the, the oil spill actually started, um, it was in, in, in April, it was roughly, I, I would say, after about four weeks of, of watching, you know, I, I call it oil oil TV because it was just like yeah. when we when we finally got cameras down there to watch that that oil spew out of the the, the riser there, it was like it was just this haunting image and you yeah. couldn't get away from it. Um, and I'm I'm a news junkie, so it was like as it went on. After you know a month had passed, um, I had just like it really started to eat away at me and I kept wanting to do something. And so it was around, I would say about a month, month and a half into the, the spill when I was just like, I saw Billy Nungesser on CNN. He was on uh, uh, Anderson Cooper's 360 and, and he was crying. he was like, why won't anyone listen to me? Why can't anyone hear me? Mm-hmm. And and it, And I did. I heard him and I jumped up and I screamed. I was like, you know, freaking do something. Something has to happen. Yeah. Um, and so I uh, checked my bank account and I had like $250 uh, to my name. And so I uh, calculated the fuel costs, uh, which is around 100 bucks uh, one way. So I gave my wife 50 bucks. I took 200 bucks, and I got a bag of groceries with food stamps and I drove down there oh not knowing where I was going to go or what I was going to do. But luckily the, the you know, Southern hospitality and just the beautiful people of that region really, you know, embraced me. And, and they, you know, they're, they're as much the producers of this film as, as I am. I mean, they really helped.
0: What an amazing story. I had no idea. So you really, this was a. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, on faith, on your and just sort of an innate sense that you had to do something and you were going to go down there and really take care of, uh, of making sure the story was told. That's a remarkable yeah, mean
1: The first half of the film was, uh, you know, because I had the 200 bucks to go down there and I posted on Facebook to my friends. I said, if you ever want to see me again, send me some money. So literally the first half of the film was shot for $1,500.
0: My goodness. And
1: that whole time I spent just, uh, you know, people, I mean... People came out of nowhere. They would come and they would do my laundry. They would come. They gave me a place to stay. They, you know, buy me food. Um, you know, and there was it was just I think, you know, and that's the same thing that's even now all the screenings that we've had. I've always had the tremendous more support of the people in the film, and they've actually flown out to do the Q and A sessions. I mean, when we played in Amsterdam, we had 11 people in our party that flew out there on their own dime to support the film, and. To me, it's just such a great honor to feel like that I actually did something right, that I, that I really was able to make something that communicated their story as opposed to, you know, my story or, or my agenda or try to put things in some grand context. Right. Um, I felt like their voices were being trampled, so I made a film that was really just their words. Um, their thoughts, their feelings, and I just kind of distilled it and packaged it for an audience.
0: Well, and I think that's very important to to uh, convey to the audience here, and that is uh, that there aren't uh, there aren't the uh, administrative officials or the Department of the Interior or even BP people that you talk to. You talk to the people who were directly and dramatically impacted by the effects of the BP oil spill, and it and it's reflected in their their. Uh, their honesty and their their story, which is how underreported and how uh, the story is to start with in terms of the national media, but how dramatic the impact has been on their lives. Brian Hopkins, tell us a little bit about sort of who were who the first couple of people that you that you uh, met and you felt, you know, I need to tell their story. Who, who would you identify as the first couple of people in that?
1: Um, actually, it was... Um Margaret and Kevin Kirill were the first uh, people to to take me in. Um, you know, I, I was sort of like just this this, this lost puppy. Uh, you know, I was there and um, trying to find you know uh, pictures that that would show the effects of the oil. And because they sprayed the correct, it a lot of the oil was dispersed, and it made it very hard for media because you know. And that's one of the things that BP really focused on was the PR aspect of the spill. Right, but. Um, when I got to um, meet Margaret and Kevin, um, they were uh, just. First of all, they were the, they were the, they were the most rich, uh, vibrant people that I had met. I mean, they really had just so much uh, kindness and warmth, and and the hospitality is unbelievable. I mean, we're still friends to this day, and that's where it's. You know, when I went to the editing room after shooting these interviews it was like I was just trying to tell my friend's story. And I just wanted to be true to my friends. And if I can make other people see them as, you know, and empathize with them as yeah. my friends, see them the way I see them, yeah. then I knew that they would have no choice but to care about this. And I didn't necessarily want to tell them what to believe. They, they, you know, I, I believe people are smart enough to make their own decisions. But if I was able to, you know, show a six-generation trimper standing on his boat crying, yeah. saying that his whole life has been radically, uh, you know, diminished because the culture has been pulverized by this, uh, you know, I, I think that that, that, would, that would have an effect on people. Well, and
0: and that was my And you did. You did a, a terrific job, uh, in addition to uh, uh, Kevin and Margaret Carroll. Am I saying that correctly? Cur Cur Curol yeah yeah also uh George uh, Berisic. Uh, yeah, and and there's some, uh, some the the people that you got as I said these aren't high powered official government officials or BP officials or any of the these are the people that were impacted directly and by the way we're speaking with Brian Hopkins the film is Dirty Energy you can buy this film uh, at uh, you can go either to the to the website movie dot com or you can go to Cinema Libre uh, and it um, at and also. Purchase uh, dirty energy. It is going to video on demand. I believe next Tuesday. Is that correct? Um...
1: Yes, uh, Tuesday. I, I believe will be up on uh, Hulu.
0: Hulu, and
1: uh, uh, we've got Netflix and and uh, iTunes eventually rolling out. But you know, the one thing is, is uh, the by buying the disc, you're going to be able to get a chance to get the um, the special features, which um, right. I have to say, I'm just. Really thrilled to get that out there because you know BP's commercials have been just literally inundating people right. with this notion that it's all cleaned up. And uh, Dean Blanchard, who is one of the largest seafood distributors in the entire nation, uh, who was in the film, mm. uh, we he actually went and had an, uh cast a net right outside of his uh, where his uh, his uh, uh, marina is in Grand Isle, and you know, the government and B P say all the waters are safe and clean. Well, he you know, make a point that they weren't. He caught some shrimp and when I got down there, you know, he had kept them for me so that I could see what he had caught and the the gross and deformities on these shrimp were just unreal. And and I asked him, I said, Is this what goes into the uh the the food chain, is this what mm-hmm. the consumers are being sold? And he says, absolutely. Yeah. The government says it's fine. All they do is they take the heads off, and, and there you go. You won't know. You, you'll be none the wiser. Well, and it- uh, so I think that when, you, when you've got literally the person who is feeding your kids for the entire nation, anyone who's buying shrimp, chances are they've had Dean Blanchard shrimp. And Dean Blanchard's no different than anyone else. They've got their tests that they're doing. These aren't scientific tests, really. They're sniff tests. Yeah. People who smell fish to see if they're off. You know, and I've got two little kids. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not going to let them eat that stuff. But imagine the people who live in the Gulf, who this is their livelihood. They've done it for generations. Yeah. And they, they, their whole culture is based around food. I mean, who doesn't think of New Orleans and food right. and seafood? And, and to take that away or to put that in jeopardy and, and put people at risk, uh, you know, of, of, of feeding their kids something that may have long-term uh, problems. I mean, I think it's outrageous that the government uh, is has allowed this to pri- be prioritized by BP uh, BP's agenda as opposed to every American. And every American should be upset about this. I mean, they raised the uh, oil standard for seafood that can be consumed by humans three times in one year after fukushima they raised the nuclear uh, content or whatever that that's allowed in seafood that comes from japan they allow, they raised that three times in one month
0: wow i
1: didn't know, you know that I, it's 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 unbelievable uh, I, and so wow. my you know hopefully uh, you know hopefully people can just pay attention and, and, you know, and, uh, you know, just, you know, I, I guess being aware, uh, you know, people can choose to act in a lot of different ways, but, you know, hopefully people see this film and hopefully they share this film. Um, and, and that's, you know, my my hope is that people can fall in love with the people that I fell in love with and, and, and care about their story because their story is, you know, we're all connected.
0: Yeah.
1: And um, so, their story is our story.
0: Yeah, and they are exactly right. And you, wow, that's some some um, very valuable information uh, about the uh, the raising of the so called raising of the standards for the food that we yeah. consume. And you're absolutely right uh, about this. And in the film, it's 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 pretty uh, apparent uh, that this uh, that the ecological system, the ecosystem of the Gulf of Mexico has been greatly compromised, um, not only by the oil spill, which was, as I said at the beginning of our our conversation, 200 million barrels of oil spewed into the ocean, and I, like you, was a kind of a news junkie, and I remember turning on Keith Olverman's show, who was particularly uh, on this story, and every night in the bottom right corner of his show, we watched that oil spewing out of that riser for every single night for months at a time. Really very powerful stuff. Um, but in addition to the 200 million barrels of oil that were in, are spilled into, spilled into the Gulf of Mexico, we also had um, something like, and correct me if I'm wrong, 2 million gallons of dispersant, which in my, in my mind was done strictly for public relations purposes. It did nothing to mitigate the damage to the oil. In fact, it made it worse, and it only made it disappear, but not go away. Tell me a little bit about the use of dispersants in this uh, in well, this the, disaster. The,
1: the 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 big thing with the dispersant is you know there there is a legitimate use for the use of dispersant type products, but the problem is is that when you and and this was it was fascinating. Ricky Ock's book that she did about the Exxon Valdez oil spill. Yeah. she had like this this checklist, the 10 things that, that, that we as Americans have to make sure that our government doesn't allow to have happen if we want to really take care of ourselves. And, like, the first thing in her book was do not let the corporation, the spiller, be responsible for the cleanup because it's like having, you know, the suspect of a murder collect the evidence at a crime scene. It's the most stupid thing in the world to have that happen and what the united states government was completely out of their depth they put bp in charge of the cleanup and what bp did is they of course their corporation corporation by its own nature is going to be efficient it's going to try to find the most efficient ways they're trying to cut their losses so what they did is they sunk the oil they used the the crexit which was best served their purposes but you know what no one no one that lived in that area had a say and the, what chemicals they were being used when the federal government told them not to use corrected they used it anyways and supposedly they used it 3 miles offshore but you know what people are out there breathing that stuff in you telling me that the wind isn't carrying that stuff on the land and there's some people that are saying that you know uh that that they believe that it was sprayed even closer than the 3 mile uh area they you know some of the people that were do, you know down there cuz there was a lot of media there but the fact is, is the crexit is what it did is it break it would break up the the oil into small particles and the the idea was that it was going to be consumed by the enzymes and allow it to be uh, you know eaten up quicker by the natural um, uh, you know uh, the yeah. the natural processes. Right. Um, what ended up happening though is. Because they used it in such large amounts, what they did is they sunk the oil to the bottom. They didn't clean it up. Now, there were a lot of people that had crazy off-the-wall solutions, but some of them were really, really powerful uh, and, and, and real winners that the United States government, the Coast Guard, and BP didn't even allow because they didn't want to collect the oil. If right. they collect the oil, they're being fined per barrel. Right. And 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 then when you have workers handling that oil, then you have the health concerns of of that action. Okay, yeah. so so for BP they would be getting penalized, one, for cleaning it up, two, they're increasing their liability on the health side of the issue. So it was just easier for them to say, you know, if you've got a big spill, fly a plane, drop it, and sink it. Well, what is the bottom of the ocean? It's, it's, it's the beginning of life.
0: Right, right.
1: All right, so you've got shrimp. When a hurricane comes, what do the shrimp do? They go down into the mud, and what they do is they bask in this toxic mess. And, and, and so that's why a year later they had this 10-mile-long slick, and, and yet and guess what? It was BP's oil. And even now to this day you know and it's and it's old news the reporters don't even cover it anymore no one wants to even hear about it but there is uh there's actually if you look on the internet there's a couple sites that are actually trying to track all these different uh oil spills that happen out there from other rigs but just BP's oil alone 2 years later is still washing up on the beach Amazing. uh when we were in the marsh and and what BP really focused on was the amenity areas yeah. and you have to take a look at their their, their their PR stuff in, in with details because everything's being you know uh, put out there you know kind of half truths.
0: Well, that's, that's what they the,
1: cleaned was the beach. The that, beaches look fine. Yeah, but when you go to the marsh where life begins, what is important to the ecosystem? You know, the beach isn't the biggest breadbasket of life compared to a marsh. Right, um, and, and what it did is that oil got into the root structure. Louisiana already had a problem with disappearing um, marshlands. Um, I, I believe it's one of the fastest disappearing landmasses in the world. Um, and now what they did is that oil got into the marsh, and it's, and it's literally, uh, we've got shrimp with no eyeballs.
0: Yeah.
1: They're not even there. Well, you know, I mean,
0: well, Brian, Brian. The effect
1: this is going to have long term is crazy.
0: Brian, the the effects uh, of the BP oil spill will be felt for years, if not decades. Uh, your film, Dirty Energy, goes a long ways towards explaining to people what really is going on, what really happened, and what continues to be an un. Unfolding disaster for the people of the Gulf uh, of Louisiana and the Gulf of Mexico. Unfortunately, we've just run out completely. Run out of time here. I want to thank you, Brian Hopkins, for uh, for being here and for your film, uh, "Dirty Energy." The uh, you can go to dirtyenergymovie.com dot com and find out about it. As well as you can go to cinema dot com. You can purchase the DVD as you said with the extras. Uh, and and also it's now going to be on Tuesday, January 22nd. It'll be on a video on demand, and you said Hulu and a couple of other places. So and
1: Definitely uh, check out the Facebook page as well. We and, keep trying to... Uh, Put new information on there as we get it. Okay, and uh, just thank you so much for having me. I well, really appreciate I, well, it. Well, I
0: thank you. I thank you for the film and and for the work that you are, you've done and you continue to do. And we'll stay on top of this story and we'll we'll make sure that our listeners of Film School uh, know where to go to find out more about uh, Dirty Energy and. Brian, continued good work, and uh, uh, come back when you've got uh, something else, another project, or or if you're continuing to work on this, I'd like to know more about it. So, appreciate you being here, Brian. Thank you.
1: Absolutely, thank you.
0: All right, take care.